Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive and industrial manufacturing industries and supporting ecosystems, and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie in the house. Welcome, welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place, it's time to run and drive with the Game Changers. And this is where the best run. This is one of our longest running SAP Game Changers series. Happy to be here. Season six, right here on Voice America Business. Shout out to our longtime sponsor, Judy Kubis, who is listening in the background. So let's get started with our topic today. I have a definition. Picked it up on Wikipedia. Don't be mad at me, but it seemed very interesting. We're talking about business networks. What is is a business network. And according to that quote-unquote official Wikipedia definition, a business network is a complex network of companies working together to accomplish certain objectives. These objectives, which are strategic and operational, are adopted by business networks based on their role in the market. The collaborating companies in a business network are not bound by location, size, sector, or number. They're open to new partnerships that help them to stay competitive. That is a packed statement. So let me give you a little more before I ask my two esteemed guests to introduce themselves. As discrete manufacturing continues to become more complex, and we're all very aware of that, and decentralized, your success, I'm talking to you manufacturers, increasingly depends on the strength of your network of suppliers, your network of talent, and your network of partners. From running your supply chain to managing supplier relationships and optimizing service delivery, you need to learn, I'm talking to you, how business networks can enable greater transparency and the key word of the day is resilience. This will help ensure you achieve your sustainability objectives, which you can then show to your customers and your stakeholders and say, yes, we're sustainable. Business networks are also instrumental in, en in enabling new business models. Now listen, we're mid, just past the midpoint of 2021, and we know a lot of companies had to pivot, be agile, resilient, right, to my guests, and they had to come up with new business models if they wanted to survive. So this can help you create new business models while removing cost from your value chain, also another good goal. Discover how these capabilities and benefits will become even more important in our I'm going to say, hopefully, post-pandemic world. We have with us today two experts on the topic. They really know their stuff, and we're going to all learn and benefit from having them here today. Simon Ellis at IDC for the video. Simon, why don't you wave hello? There he hello. is. And Stefan Krauss at SAP. Stefan, smiling, wave hello. And I'm going to ask them for their take on why business networks matter more than ever. This is a key topic for all of our listeners around the world. So let's get started with guest introductions. Simon Ellis, would you please do me the pleasure of introducing yourself? A little bit about what you do, what your background is. Why are you here? What's your passion for this topic? I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Go ahead, Simon. Very good. Um, th thanks, Bonnie. That, that definition was quite a mouthful. Um, <laughs> um, so S Simon Ellis, um, I I'm a research vice president uh, at IDC. Um, I've been focusing on supply chains for the totality of my career. Um, I've, I've been, I worked at a large CPG company for two decades before IDC, also in the supply chain. So I was actually interested in supply chain before it was fashionable to be interested in supply chain. Um, 
And, you know, I've followed all sorts of trends over the years, um, some of which proved to be transformational, some of which did not. It um, wasn't always clear at the time which was going to be and which was not going to be, but, uh, but nonetheless, we, we kind of live and learn. Um, you know, I've been, I've been covering the sort of the role of technology, for example, in, in supply chain now for, for a while. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we are analog beings, right? So we have to ultimately understand the sort of the what drives the analog supply chain. But there's a lot of digital transformation. I mean, I mean, Stefan, I'm sure at SAP, they've been talking about sort of digital transformation for a long time, as as have we at, at IDC. You know, the you know technology as sort of you know enablers of people more than replacement of people. I think. Um, but we see, you know, we see continued outsourcing in the supply chain. For example, I always, when I was uh, in industry, I, I worked for uh, for the for Unilever, a large CPG company, and I always I always used to joke that, you know, it was just a matter of time before Unilever was the chairman and a guard dog, and everybody else had been outsourced, right? And so we've seen this sort of this this momentum of outsourcing, which, frankly. You know, we'll see whether the pandemic accelerates that or not. I suspect it might, but it just makes then sort of how you collaborate with suppliers, with suppliers, suppliers, with logistics providers, with customers. It makes that process much more important. Um, and it's hard to see how you do that in a world where you're stuck with, you know, making a phone call or point-to-point -point relationships. It really is, I think you know, a networked and ecosystem world and the, 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 you know, the, the degree to which, you know, you sort of say, okay, fine, I accept that and I, and I, and I embrace it, I think will we'll drive performance, will drive better performance in the future. So that's my, I'm a supply chain guy. I've, I've been living and breathing supply chains for 35 years. Um, no better or more important function in the, in the business than the supply chain as, as, as we're finding out uh, when, when things are, are sort of going sideways. And I think networks, business networks, ecosystems are a critical part of the future of that supply chain. So, uh, pleasure to be here, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Simon. Appreciate that. And you were—you said you were a supply chain guy before it was fashionable, or maybe before we were even talking yeah. in everyday yeah. parlance. Yeah. Supply chain, supply. Yeah. Now it's on everybody's lip. Yeah. Why is my refrigerator yeah. eighteen yeah. months delayed? Yeah. Supply chain. Why are there no yes. cars at the deal? Supply chain. Why can't I get a yes. front door? So, right. Yes. Yes, I always, you know, I've always, I've often used, um, and and it's a, it, it's a, it's it's an example that mostly only works in North America, um, but but if you're if you're based in North America and you're an American football fan, um, you know that the offensive linemen in football only get their names called when something goes wrong, and I kind of feel that way for the supply chain, right? We 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 sort of the supply chain's off to the side. We don't worry about it. Until something goes wrong, and then uh, it's the supply chain that was that was the problem, right? So um, it's an analogy that works in North America, maybe maybe not so much elsewhere, but I bet it's global. We'll have to poll our listeners around yeah. the world. Yeah. Thank you, Simon. Yeah. I, I suspect you're a little enthusiastic about this topic, and that's why you're here. That's why we invited you. Thank you so much, sure. Stefan Kraus at SAP. So happy to see you, meet you. You and I have known each other on email for years, I think, but here you are, first time, and we're so honored that you're taking the time to join us. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself? Similarly, what do you do? What's your background? And why are you here? Stefan? Yeah, happy to do so, Bonnie. And my wife is asking every day, what are you doing? So it's not easy to explain <laughs> what, what we work on the whole day. And, and Simon, I think that was a very nice introduction. I, I, I agree with a lot. 
very often I also say, hey, supply chain has been in the past, supply network is the future. Now people can ask what's the difference. And I think for me it's important. Yeah. Chain has something like, you know, tier one OEM, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four supplier. And then there's a change on the OEM side and until the last poor supplier knows about it, it's too late. And I think in a network, and this is why I love business networks, it's becoming even more relevant that I think the whole ecosystem knows as soon as possible as what's going on on the demand side, how can we react on the supply side. And again, this is just a little joke on how to build on the future, why I think business networks is, let's say, the next stage of, of, of course, supply chain. But of course, supply chain is the whole topic. Why I am in this topic, you know, I, I'm running at ACP eight industries. Uh, four are more in the manufacturing areas like automotive and industrial manufacturing, high tech and, and aerospace and defense. But I'm also responsible in industries like chemical, oil and gas in utilities, to name a few here. And what I think is particularly interesting, more and more people talk about industry boundaries are blurring. And if you look to a business network, this goes across industries. You know, if the automotive industry is in trouble, you know, the chemical industry will feel it. And they all work together. And I think this makes, for me, very interesting on how this is, you know, now changing also the whole energy transition, which is going on in the market. Of course, challenges the automotive industries, the utilities industries, the oil and gas industry. And they all need to work together because I don't think one single customer or company uh, can face this all by themselves. I think they need to, to really team up. There's so much innovation going on that only, I think, if companies really work here together, even do some investments together on the R&D side, for example, also in a network, I think those companies can stay competitive and master all the, the challenges which we see in the market. Thank you. And Stefan, before I let you go, we're going to go to the opening quotes in a minute. But what's your background? How did you get to this role at SAP? I know your role has been expanded. I'm looking at your bio in 2020, just last year. Give us a little more background. Who are Who is the real Stefan Kraus? Please sit down and talk to us. Yeah, the real Stefan Kraus is basically really to say an SAP guy. So right after my uh, manufacturing uh, university study, I, I really joined SAP as a consultant. So I worked there for many years with a lot of customers around the world. And from there, and I think this is the nice thing when you work for a company, which is really or was growing significantly. You know, when I started, we we're just 1,500 people. Now we are 100,000. So you can change role, not necessarily change companies and take on global roles, local roles. I was, you know, in sales and, and, and sales related roles for many years. I was in those global roles. And I think this is for me very interesting also because when we talk network, it's about also the people network. You know, you deal a lot with, of course, companies in the world. You, you deal a lot with partners. We also deal with the IDCs and those guys in the world, which I think is oh, also yeah, yeah. very interesting <laughs> to listen to, to the analysts, learn from them, and hopefully also, you know, share, you know, our thoughts with them. And, of course, with all the colleagues. And, and this is really what, what I stand for, you know, when you are 30-plus years with a company, I think you have built a nice network uh, to, to master all the, you know, the business we are in here. 
Great, great point about people, the people network, and we, we are all connected here. We're connected with people around the world listening to us live right now on the business channel on Voice America and people who will, some will actually see this video. Somebody here is going to post this or pieces of it and people are going to listen on demand. So we have, we're creating a network of thought leadership and people who want to share their thought leadership and people want to value and listen and learn from that thought leadership. So here we have a, another network. There we go. Uh, I'd like to get to the quotes if if somebody is new a new listener we we get new listeners all the time around the world there's a section of the show coming up where i've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie or tv fictional character or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic of the show which is why business networks matter now more than ever and will continue to matter in the future so i am so tickled by the quotes my guest sent me and let me start with simon ellis he picked a quote stated by air traffic controller steve mccroskey played by the one and only lloyd bridges the movie is airplane exclamation point 1980 american parody film of the disaster film genre particularly mm, the 1957 paramount film zero hour exclamation point from which it borrows the plot and central characters. Steve McCroskey responsible for keeping track of all the airplanes in the air. He's in charge of the tower at the airport, though he carries himself with the authority of a jaded detective, constantly smoking and making wisecracks. So here, here is the quote from Steve McCroskey. I picked a bad week to stop sniffing glue. Simon, I don't know how I said that with a straight face. Rescue me. What does that have to do with business networks? Help. Absolutely nothing. No, 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 no. So, so my, my, my disclaimer, first of all, Bonnie, is that I don't sniff glue and I never have. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a quote that I've, that I've used over the years to sort of manage, diver, uh, manage adversity and manage complexity, right? You know, that, that, that when things are going sideways, when things are going south, you know, that you're, that you have a point of reference, you have a, you have something to, to kind of fall back on. And I just, I just thought, you know, in a, in a world where supply chains for now a year and a half have been so turbulent and so unpredictable, you know, that, that quote, you know, as a supply chain practitioner, oh my God, you know, with all that's going on, I picked a bad week to stop sniffing glue, right? So even if you never actually sniffed glue, and I hope you haven't, um, no. I, just, I, I, just, I just find it to be an amusing metaphor for, you know, sort of, you know, managing, uh, uh, um, uh, managing challenges and managing disruptions. Disruption, excuse me. Thank you very much. In other words, not a good time to take a vacation or too many somethings or, yes, too uh, many right. too many <laughs> right. imbibings. Yeah, right. you got, got to keep your wits around. Not, you. not a good time for your computer to crash. Not a good time to go on vacation, right? I mean, you, you know, you just, you can, you can, you can go on it. You can go on forever, I think. Simon, if we were giving out best, funniest quotes ever on these shows, I've been doing this for, for 11 years, thousands of shows. You may be in, in running for the oh. top 10 most best interesting quotes. So just live with that honor. Okay, Simon Ellis, there you Fair go. I, I have dubbed you in the running there. I'll talk to Judy Cubis after and see if she has some better ones. Stefan Krauss has sent us an equally wonderful quote. The quote is interesting, but the source is even more because when I, when we talked on our prep call about your quote, Judy just, just was laughing and smiling. And the quote is from an actor, I don't know if he's still around, George Papard, round for years a big big icon in the movies he played the character john hannibal smith 
and the st- series, the TV series, is the A Team, an American act. I can see Judy smiling, even though her camera's turned off. American action adventure TV series on NBC, the Peacock Network, from 1983 to 87. Uh, it's about former members of a fictitious U.S. Army Special Forces unit. All four were tried by court court martial for a crime they had not committed. It became a big hit, and uh, George Pappard suggested it was a hit before we ever turned on the camera. The first episode, which aired after Super Bowl 17, I have to do my Roman numerals, on January 30th, 1983, reached 26.4% of the TV audience, placing number four in the top 10 Nielsen-rated shows. And some of the catchphrases were, I love it when a plan comes together. That's one of the top phrases from the from the show, which is the one that, that Stefan's going to talk about. Also, Hannibal's on the Jazz was another one. And I ain't getting on no plane, okay? <laughs> I think we can all go with that one right now. Stefan Kraus, I love it when a plan comes together. Tell us how funny this is. And what was the context when Hannibal said this? Go ahead. Yeah, first of all, I, I love when Hannibal is smoking a cigar at the end, you know, when, when he fixed another, you know, situation. So that's also something I do from time to time to relax and, you know, celebrate a little bit. But I, I, I really love this, 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 you know, when a plan comes together and when you really watch it and it's still running on German TV here, the A-team from time to time, that you always see that this, this team is really working together, which brings me again back to the topic a business network is still a network where people have to deal with each other and i think the a team shows us you know how successful you can be when you really work together you have different strengths which i think we also see in business networks company with different strengths are coming together i see a lot of improvisation which needs to to really tackle all the challenges Um, and and topics like you know Loyalty and, and really teamwork is high on that one. And this is for me super relevant when we really talk about the business networks. As I think those times, and I, I stick a little bit to the automotive industry, you know, where the big OEMs have told the suppliers, you have to do this, you have to follow my goals and my guidance, and you have to, to really, you know, uh, also I, I had a customer many years back where the, they were forced by an OEM to, to implement EDI. They were not a part supplier, you know, they were a player for a plant where EDI doesn't make sense at all, but it was the rule of the OEM. Now I think in times we are in today, and you can see this right now with all the huge challenges that now OEMs cannot produce cars because they, they lack, you know, uh, this, the chips from the suppliers that I think this is more a game under equals. And that I think really teams have to come together, companies have to come together and work, you know, as a win-win situation. And this is what I really like on the A-team. They, they do a fantastic job together. And of course, they always win at the end of the game or of the, of the show, which is, of course, fantastic to see. Thank you. And thanks for the smiles. I, I mentioned, I didn't mention that Mr. T, the uh, gentleman with a lot of gold gold hardware around his neck, he was made famous by that show as well. Before we go to your discussion statements, you both very graciously sent us about the show, about our topic. I have a little text here uh, Judy sent me to further define or hone the definition of business networks. I want to read one sentence and get your take first, Simon, and then Stefan, and let's see if you agree with this. It says, we see an evolution to a unified business network where a company connect 
can connect to all their different trading partners through a single directory. So no longer point on point, no longer an individual process or function. Simon Ellis, is this where it's evolving to? Is it there yet? Um, so, so, so I don't think it's there yet. Um, okay. I, I think I think there are many companies that are that are using business networks. I mean, I, I do a I do a supply chain survey every couple of years. I did it back in in the middle of 2020, um, which was sort of this kind of funky year. I don't know if you guys know, but yeah, thank um, you. <laughs> and and you know, about 65% of companies are using more than one network, right? So, oh, sorry, of the companies that are using networks, about two thirds of them are using more than one network, right? So. So, um, you know, Stefan talked about all of the industries that he's responsible for, right? I mean, there are some networks that are kind of very much industry focused. There are other networks that are kind of business process focused, right? And so, so I think, you know, I, I, I use the sort of rather, rather clumsy term network of networks. Um, but, but, I, but I think, you know, I think that's the end goal. But, but it'll take a while to get there, right? It's it's it, it will require some consolidation. It will require companies who maybe have multiple networks to bring them together. Uh, so I think I think you know I think that's the aspirational end of the journey. But but we've we've a ways to go still to get there. I think. Thank you. Good point of view there, Stefan Kraus. I'm going to say agree or disagree. What's your take on this? And I, Simon, I liked the phrase. You said it was clunky, but it's not. Network of networks. That may be where we, the N-O-N, the network of networks. Stefan, what do you think? I have to 100% agree. I also use this term network of networks a couple of days, <clears throat> a couple of times a day, because yeah. I think we are on a very interesting journey here. As Simon said, I think we are not done at all here in, in, in the entire industries, uh, but we are definitely coming from this point-to-point solutions, which cannot be the future. So now we see more and more kind of networks starting somewhere. And then I think we also see that many companies have and can have very different roles in such a network. You know, one time you are a customer, one time you are a supplier, one time maybe you're a contractor. So you have to fulfill very different roles and therefore, of course, you would love to have this unified business network so that the onboarding and the connection of networks to networks is over time becoming easier and easier. Again, we are not there today, but, but I think this is a clear evolution which we, we see in the market and where a lot of companies you know, are, are really looking for. You know the other thing, I, I know, Bonnie. If I can, if yeah, I can, please, please. You go know, ahead. you know, one one of the other things that I that I think about a lot is sort of the future worker, right? So, mm-hmm. so you know, Stefan and I have been around a while. We're not really digital natives. We're sort of digital immigrants. We're not network natives. We're native. We're network immigrants, right? We've sort of learned to use these things. Mm-hmm. You've got a whole bunch of younger people for whom that's just the way they conduct their lives. I mean, I think about my two teenage sons. I mean, they are they are they are online with their friends far more than they're actually. I don't think they. I don't think either of them have ever used a telephone to talk to one of their friends. Right? Oh dear. So, so you have this. You have this new generation of workers coming into the into the into business for whom this is just the way they work. This is just the way they're wired. And, and I think, um, 
And, and so I think, you know, the network is inevitable. It's just kind of how we get from where we are today to, to, to that network of networks. So I, I, I have no doubt that we'll get there because, because if, if not us, you know, we'll, we'll retire and go away. It'll be that next generation of, 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 of workers, of, of employees, of, of really smart people for whom it, it will, that, that's just the way it's going to have to be. That's yeah. just the way they work. <laughs> Thank you for your rem- Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Stefan. Yeah, it's such an interesting topic. And I think also when we really look, you know, to to the current, you know, people who run the business, like, you know, people in, in our age here, there is a lot of reluctance to really share data. Yeah. You know, they, they mm. and, and, you know, when we really talk about a business network, it's not about the technology. I think this is available. Uh, it is not that, People cannot discuss, you know, what would make sense from a business point of view. But there's a lot of discussion. Am I willing to to give data yep. to also receive data yep. via yep. a network? And therefore, Simon, I totally agree. I think when we look to the next generation, they are much more open to say, hey, yes, I absolutely. don't care. Let's work absolutely. openly together. Let's share information because it's a, a win-win situation yep. at the end of the day. So that that is for me by the way, the, the, the key success factors, yep. if we are not overcoming this human barrier, again, technology is not the limitation here. It, it's the human beings. And, yep. and I see, and, and there's a nice example, there's a, an automotive network which was announced end of last year here in, in, in Europe. It's called Catena X, where now OEMs and suppliers are working together. They all are in a severe business challenge, right? Where there's so mm-hmm. much change going on in the industry. But the proof point will be when we now talk about those, we call it use cases, the things which you really, you know, the processes which fly around, uh, across such a network. Who is willing to share what amount of data with whom? And how can we manage this? How can, of course, security measures put in place so that everybody feels comfortable? This is, for me, the key thing on how fast business networks yep. will really take yep. off. Yep. Thank you both. Good discussion. And and Stefan, I want to pick up on something you said a couple minutes ago. And I'm I'm glad you're both jumping in. This is really a good conversation. This is what we want is a conversation. We're not reading slides, kids. We're having a conversation. Stefan, you mentioned that a company could be in a unified business network and they could be at one point, maybe they could be the lead on a project or they could become the supplier or they could become a consultant or they could provide labor for something. Or and, and that brings to mind the idea of flexibility agility, resilience. Who are you? What is your business? Right? And what role do you play? And it reminds me when I had my TV series in New York on Long Island, sometimes somebody would be behind a camera, right? Sometimes they would be the on-air guest. Sometimes they would be the singer or dancer on the holiday special. Sometimes they'd be in the control room running the board. So the shifting of roles is is a very interesting concept on fluidity of defining who are you, what are your skills, what are your capabilities as a company, as a network of people in that company, as a player in a network, right, Simon? What do you contribute to that network? On Monday, who are you? On Tuesday, who are you? Is this this resonating? Stefan, let me start with you, because that's what I thought I heard you say, is that you could be different things. So how flexible does a company's leadership need to be to play those different roles? And also the idea of competition with a company one day and perhaps partnership, collaboration, co-petition the next day. So the whole concept of business is evolving. Stefan, you want to comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, yeah, 
mandatory for companies to stay really competitive here in the future. And um, again, I stick a little bit to automotive industries, as also those brands are well known around the world. But you know, if you look to former times, and I pick now just two examples: Ford and GM, two major players in the U.S. market. Same here in Germany when you take BMW or Mercedes. You know, they were really allow me to say fighting each other, very competitive over many many years. And if you look now, they more and more really team up into new technologies because they cannot afford to do all these investments by themselves. It's not, it's not an evolution. It's not the continuous improvement thing we see anymore in those industries. It's disruptions. It's the new whole thing of mobility, you know, e-cars and all that stuff that is huge investment needed. And you also see a lot of new entrants then, of course, new kind of competitors coming in. So therefore, I think companies are really asked to be super flexible not to only change maybe, let's say, their, their, their product line and product engineering. I think it's also about changing their business models. When I was basically selling products maybe in the past, I'm becoming now more and more a seller of, of outcome, of services, which has a tremendous change in, again, how you, how you really operate your business. And this, again, in a network needs to be managed then in the whole, you know, ecosystem you're you're playing with thank you simon thoughts uh so so i believe you used the term competition um did the the 1990s called they'd like their term back um (laughs) um, (laughs) oh dear oh dear i'll bake them a cake i'll bake them a cake it'll be okay It's part of getting older and being incredibly uncool to the. I heard I heard that word on one of my radio shows. Okay. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, look, I mean, the the, you know the dynamics of business change, right? I mean, I mean, um, you know, I I always think to myself that that you know an automotive assembly line is almost is almost sort of is almost a high tech electronics you know problem, right? The, you know the fact that the that microchip shortages is, is what's driving all sorts of challenges for the automotive industry. You know that wouldn't happen twenty years ago. I, I think about um, uh, consumer electronics uh, and, and how there are you know you know an endless number of companies that that brand flat screen TVs, but only a very small percentage of companies who actually make the flat screens, right? So it's a it's a sort of the, you know this sort of this interaction between suppliers and customers. You know, is you know is 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 highly dynamic. Um, I mean, I think the last year and a half, um, you, you know, Bonnie, you 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 touched on on resiliency. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've actually been talking about supply chain resiliency for over a decade. I, I mean, I mean, if you, if you're going to be a resilient business, if you're going to be a resilient supply chain. You have to be fast. You have to be agile. You have to be nimble. You have to have. You have to. You have to be able to see what's happening, and all of those things are so much easier if you're competing. Excuse me. If you're engaging an, an ecosystem. If you're if you're participating in a network. If you know if every time mm-hmm. if every time something goes wrong, you have to pick up the phone or send up smoke signals, you know, you're going to be slow. You're going to be, I mean, I have, I have a quote um, that is a anonymously ascribed quote. um, But, but, you know, this idea that in today's world, point to point relationships are simply too slow. I can't Mm -hmm. afford that kind of sort of cumbersome collaboration for, I need to be more dynamic. I need to be more engaged both upstream and downstream. And, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, Stefan makes a good point that, that, 
we're now to the point where where innovation happens in the ecosystem, but it, it, and, it, but it and it doesn't necessarily happen always at any individual nodes in the ecosystem. So, you know, the fact that for so many years you picked up a laptop and it said Intel inside, right? You know, ninety percent of people probably didn't know what that meant. But it was the innovation point for much of that stuff was happening at the chip manufacturer. So, so I think the, the the network is a is a necessary, in retrospect, perhaps we'll conclude an obvious way to leverage the fact that we have this very dynamic um, interactions between customers and uh, uh, excuse me between manufacturers and their suppliers, their supplier suppliers, their customers, the consumers, and I think the network makes. Then that one makes that you know, it puts some 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 control around that sort of what could be just chaos. I don't know. Thank you. Well, chaos is something we want to avoid. We want to, companies want to keep moving forward, less on the chaos side, more on the we're resilient. We can get the job done because yep. that's really what it's all about, and deliver at whatever level of the network requires something or someone to be delivered. I think we're gonna. We're thirty-four minutes into the show, and we I haven't, haven't got to any of the questions. Haven't so. gotten to your statements yet. Okay. So I, I'm going to pick a couple here, Simon. I'm looking at your statement number two. I put it in the no. chat for you. You say critical gaps that must be resolved include digital resiliency. I think we touched this a little bit, maybe no. a little more from you, no. and that the lack of digital competencies limits the ability to transition the supply chain to new business models. So let's do a, a short deep dive. I think that doesn't go together. A quick deep dive, a resilient no. and spontaneous deep dive into this, no. and then I'll ask Stefan to agree or disagree with you. No. Simon, give us about two minutes on this. Yeah, so 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 this was a this was a question that I asked, and I, I, I mentioned a what seems like an hour ago, but maybe 10 minutes ago about uh, the supply chain survey that we did in, that IDC did in 2020. And one of the questions, uh, and it's a question that I've asked over the years, so I can kind of draw some correlations between changing, changing views. Um, one of the questions is, you know, what are the gaps that if you don't close them will be most problematic in the future? And the two that came through uh, most loudly this time around, one was this idea of, uh, you know, I need a resilient supply chain. I need to be, I need to be able to react better and, 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 and more effectively to both external and internal uh, disruptions. But the other one, which in some ways I, I thought was a little more interesting, was this idea, um, and again, it's, it's supply chain, right? But this idea that um, as the world changes, you know, it, it puts different requirements on on my supply chain, and mm -hmm. and and how do I how do I make sure that my supply chain is going to be an enabler of something new and different, uh, r rather than rather than a drag on it? I mean, I I you know I live in Connecticut. Um, I spend a lot of time in in New York City, and over the last you know you know year and a half. You know, a lot of you know people stop going to restaurants, um, and so mm -hmm. a number of restaurants reimagine themselves as local markets. Right now, maybe that's not a massive stress on the supply chain, but you have to be able to think a little differently about your business. Um, you know, if you're an automotive um, um, uh, manufacturer, are you are you selling cars or are you selling uh, you know a, a trip from your house to the to the to the grocery store right so so you think a little differently you know uh, you know if you're a jet if you're a jet engine manufacturer are you selling engines or are you se or you're selling airplane thrust right so it's it's sort of this this kind of and, and we've also we've also seen a massive shift some of it's coming back a bit now 
but we saw an almost almost instant shift away from the experiential economy to the product economy, right? All of the, all of the well, the vast majority of the experiential stuff kind of stopped uh, in early 2020, and all of that all of that purchase momentum was shifted to products, and so companies had to start thinking about you know rather than selling my products through traditional retail channels, now I have to have a much more robust online capability, right? And so. And that, and that, you know, that's, you know, from a supply chain perspective, you know, that means maybe I'm not selling, shipping full pallets on full trucks from one big building to another big building. I'm sending, you know, items to people's homes, right? So it's a, it's a big shift for the supply chain. So, so that was, that was the, you know, the two, that's the one that interests me the most because it suggests that, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not enabling my supply chain with these modern technologies, it's going to limit my ability to take advantage of new opportunities. And, and sometimes opportunities are obvious and you can plan for them. Other times they just come along and you're like, okay, I can either do this or I can't. Mm-hmm. So, so Bonnie, I think for me, that was the more interesting of the two, this idea of, of, of technology enabling supply chain mm-hmm. resiliency. Thank you. And sometimes an opportunity is cloaked as a challenge or a problem or an issue or an OMG, what the blank are we going to do now? And if you peek inside, you will find the opportunity, which is what businesses did in 2020. Stefan Krauss, join us. Thoughts, agree or disagree? And I'm going to tee up one of your statements in the chat while you're talking. Stefan, talk to Simon. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's really hard not to to agree here with Simon. I think this is absolutely right. And I think I'm very often saying, you know, technology is the enabler of the business. Yes. And I just picked some examples. Everybody is talking about IoT or IIoT. Now, mm-hmm. one example. In the past, you know, spare parts planning was always based on historic data you have in your in your, you know, enterprise systems. Now, if you think about IoT and you can take data from the vehicles out in the market and you can predict that there is a maintenance necessary, that there's a repair necessary, and you can include this into your planning process. This gives you a totally new dynamic and a much more agile way how you do planning. Uh, if you take now topics like machine learning, you know, artificial intelligence, and you can have the system support human beings on much more, again, analyzing data, predicting data, you know, simulating data and therefore you know do better again planning and assumption i think that will also increase the quality so here technology really helps uh, the business to run better and as a result i think we had this at the very beginning um, a lot of companies talk more and more about automation so processes need to be automated within your own you know um walls of a company but you also want to automate again with your with your ecosystem now automation should not give the people the feeling oh that will be a reaction in 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 the in the workforce not at all i think this is more a shift on you know that that people can focus even more and much more kind of strategic planning work instead of repeating you know kind of boring activities Uh, which, which again, gives much more power to companies to really scope with all the, again, big changes which we see, the big changes in the demand to fulfill your customer requirements. So I totally agree, Simon, on on what you said. 
Oh could my I, goodness! Bonnie, I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Could I? Yeah. Could yeah. I just? Yeah. You know, um, St- Stefan touched on something that I think is actually really important. Um, so, so one one of the big challenges in the supply chain at the moment is companies can't find people, right? They can't find workers. Mm-hmm. They can't find drivers. Yeah. Um, one of my clients is having a devil of a time finding mechanics and and, and engineers mm-hmm. to to maintain factory equipment. And so, and so, um, you know, you know, how, how do you now? Maybe that's a short term issue, or maybe it's not. I mean, we've been talking about supply chain talent for a long, long time. But the but the pandemic really has exacerbated that, um, and, and I and I think, uh, uh, and I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, Stefan, but I, I you know I think you're absolutely right. You know that that technology is how we how we solve that right now. Okay, I have a shortage of truck drivers. Probably self driving trucks aren't going to be here soon enough to solve that problem in the short term, but they can in the long term, right? Or, yeah. or you know, all of these kind of routine rote tasks that happen mm-hmm. in the supply chain, you know, relieve the people of those. Have them do the things that people do better. Right. And so it's not yeah. replacing people; it's it's replacing tasks. And I think mm-hmm. I think um, you know the business network plays. And the other thing that the that the business network does is it, it, it is in, it is in some ways you know, a resource directory, right? Which is, okay, if I need something mm-hmm. that I don't currently use today, you know, I've got a much better chance of finding that through the ecosystem, through the business network. And, you know, SAP spent a lot of time with, with Fieldglass and, and Ariba around sort of, you know, sourcing uh, people resources and labor resources. Um, you know, those kinds of things I think are going to be, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be overtly, you know, just commercial about it. Those kinds of things are going to be really important. I, I, and I think the network plays a role, but so does, you know, automation and, right. and, and you know, sort of automating tedious tasks. Does anybody yeah. remember the Rolodex? Should we give it back to the 70s, Simon? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I think right? the 70s, 70s already came and collected mine. So I, 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 I don't I had a little, little box with. Anyway, what I'd like to do, I'm looking at, we only have about ooh, 13 minutes left. I'd like to move on to statement number two from yeah. Stefan Krauss. And you both prepared so many wonderful topics for us to discuss. And we're discussing them in other ways and yep. another a conversational approach. But let's talk about sustainability. Sustainability. I know that everybody is interested in this around the world. It's become a mandate, right? I think we blamed it on the millennials in the beginning a couple of years ago when they were kids and now they're grownups and they got their own money and they're running companies. And so here you say sustainability as customer demand for ethically sourced products is increasing. Sustainability cannot be an afterthought. I'm going to stop there and let you expand this for us. So Stefan, please go yeah, ahead. Happy to do so, Bonnie. And I think, again, when we look to networks or to, to supply chains for, for, you know, many, many years, it was always about cost optimization and, and of course, time optimization. You know, how do I get in the fastest way products from A to B? I think this is not enough anymore when we look to, to the future. So this whole topic of sustainability, how can we do smarter ways in the supply chain and not necessarily, you know, we have this here in, in, in small Europe. We, we are small compared to you guys, but, you know, we, we, we fish, you know, stuff up in the North Sea. We transport it to the southern part of Europe to crack it and to, to you know, prepare it. And then we send it back to sell it uh, in the northern part of, of Europe. How crazy, sorry, is that be when it comes to sustainability? Of course, 
Cost-wise, it was smart for many years, but we have to wake up. And it's not about only now, you know, to reduce here the, the carbon footprint and, you know, zero emissions. I think it's also the responsibility in this, you know, whole ethical area. You know, you need to know your supplier and, you know, how they are really producing their products. And they should know their suppliers and suppliers so that we really take this responsibility you know, that there's not child work and all that stuff. And that needs to be proven. And I think German has brought out a, 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 even a, a, a rule which will apply 2023, where companies need to show up a certificate and prove that they really stick to those, those you know, uh, rules here and, and we make the world a better world. So I am a big fan of it. And I even have a nice example. And I, I love this, this company name. It's Bumblebee Foods, which I guess you guys all know. Not so well known again here to a German guy, but I, I even met the CIO two years back. And, and Bumblebee Foods, I think they are really producing tuna. And they already have established an automated kind of supply chain, including blockchain, to really track where all the tuna is, is coming from. And they can, can report this in the ecosystem to restaurants, to you know consumer products companies, so that they... Uh, retailers, sorry, to the, they are really have you know a track record where where the tuna is coming from. I think this is fantastic. Again, optimizing the supply chain, but really sticking here to to the sustainability topic as the future. I think we all need to to really cover. Stefan, I have to tell you, a couple of years ago, I moved Coffee Break with Game Changers to become a show called Technology Revolution: The Future of Now, and my very first show was on What's for Lunch a tuna and blockchain sandwich. <laughs> and I had one of the executives, I'm trying to find his name because I'm looking back to uh, where, where I did this, I think it was 2011, and I'm trying to find the episode and the name, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what it was, but anyway, it was, uh, his first name is Tony, I can't remember his last name, forgive me, and we talked about how Bumblebee Foods was using blockchain to validate the source from the, ship, the, the water to the net to the catch, to the boat, to the refrigeration, to the shipping, to the processing. I hope I'm covering all of the, the steps in that supply chain, if you will. And it was such an interesting topic. So he was one of my first guests on my future focus show of where are we going <laughs> with food validation or provenance. You know, you talk about provenance of a jam or a bottle of wine or, or, or a painting, the provenance of tuna. I'm so happy you brought that up. Simon, talk to us, your take on sustainability in terms of the network, the business network. What do you think? Yeah, um, so, so, so I have to confess, I, I've always been something of a sustainability um, um, cynic. Um, which is ironic because all my conservative friends think I'm a tree hugger. So it's not that I don't think the environment's important, but I, but I've, I've, I've largely felt that we've not made, I don't think we've made the real case for sustainability all that well. I think too much of it has been kind of in the realm of corporate, of corporate social responsibility and kind of, and kind of greenwashing. Um, but I have to say I've, I've changed my perspective on, on this over the last over the last year and a half um, in a couple of ways. One is, so having grown up in, 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 in the CPG company that I, that I grew up in, you know, sustainability wasn't just about the environment. It was also about managing your su supply chain so that it was sustainable, right? So that if I need, you know, uh, Stefan's example of, of, of tuna, right? I mean, Starkist or, or Bumblebee 
aren't going to be in the tuna business for very long if they can't get any tuna, right? And so, so it's, you know, it's in their interest to make sure that how they construct their supply chain is done in a sustainable way, that the, the fishes are, fish are caught sustainably, that they're prepared sustainably, that we're not adding unnecessary mileage to the, to the process, right? So, so, so I, I think about sustainability that way. I also think that uh, I'm, I'm actually in the process of writing uh, something where I'm actually drawing an analogy between sustainable supply chain and resilient supply chain. I actually don't think in the long run that you can have a resilient supply chain if it isn't also a sustainable supply chain. Um, I, I've got a client who made a really interesting point to me a few months ago, uh, and they said that uh, – you know, being being viewed by their customers and consumers mm -hmm. as sustainable is really important, but it's also a critical part of how they hire people, right? You know, mm -hmm. the the, 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 the aforementioned younger generation who care much more about this stuff than 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 frankly we have. Um, you know, maybe they'll be more inclined to, to join a company and work for a company that that has a good reputation for being sustainable. So, so, mm -hmm. so I, I started out as a sustainability skeptic. I, I think I've 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 sort of moved a bit more into the mainstream in terms of thinking about how it how it has to has to be applied to the supply chain. In terms of the network, I mean, I think it's I I, th I think you know if companies you know I I have for example seen a number of companies who have started to include sustainability elements in their contracting process with suppliers, right? So they will favor one supplier who is more sustainable over another who is not, right? So it becomes part of the service level agreements. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, if ultimately the network is how I reach out to suppliers and suppliers, suppliers and customers and consumers, then I think I think you know those those opportunities to be more sustainable in the supply chain, you know, are are, are enabled by the network just as just as resiliency would be, or just as, as sort of collaboration would be. So um, so I mostly agree, Stefan. I think with what you said, I'm just I'm just I'm coming from a place where yeah. I've sort of historically been a little skeptical that 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 we were actually doing real things, and I think I think I think I see that starting to happen where we are doing real things. But even here, Simon, we are in total you know, alignment because I think in the past, it was very much more about kind of to the side, you do a kind of reporting exactly. and you exactly. try to sell something. I think, as you said, in the last one and a half year, it is becoming really much more an integral part of, again, of mm. course, supply chain. Yep. Or when you think about building the next plant, uh, yep. that you really try yep. to do this with zero emission yep. you know, energy later on, and then, and, so I totally agree, and, and only if we do that, it, it, I think it, it's real. Yeah. The yeah. rest was, you know, kind of, you know, <laughs> lipstick yeah. on the pig. Yeah. And yeah, by yeah, the yeah, way, yeah. then we met the same kind of Tony Coster. That was all the yes. guy I met. I just put it in the chat. Oh, I looked, okay. I yeah. looked yeah. it up. Tony Costa, <laughs> Senior VP and Chief Information Officer for Bumblebee Foods. And yeah. my Great show guy. was Tony. Yeah, I know Tony. The, 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 the only other thing I would, the only other thing I would say. Um, uh, and, and Stefan, in some ways, this is probably near and dear to your heart, too. I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was not unusual to see a chief lean officer in the supply chain, right? Mm -hmm. You don't see so many of those anymore. And the reason you don't is because instead of lean being a program, it's now simply built into the way we run the supply chain. And I actually think we're going to see that with sustainability. So you have a number of companies who have and or are creating chief sustainability officers I think ten, five, ten years from now, you won't see any of those anymore because right. 
just as lean has, sustainability will simply be built into the way that we run the, <laughs> we run the supply chain. It won't be a program or a project anymore. It'll just be the way we run the business. Yeah. Yep, part, part of the ethos, the, the yep. value value yep. chain of the company. Yep. Uh, yes, I want to tell you that the show I did with Tony Costa was June 5th, 2019. It was my first technology revolution, the future of now, <laughs> after I left SAP. And it just seemed like a fabulous topic. And here we are talking about, to- hello, Tony Costa, we're <laughs> yeah. thinking yeah. of you. And I met him July 2019, you see. You know, we are so close here. <laughs> there you go. You could have been on that show with him if I'd have, if yeah. I'd have known you back then. Gentlemen, we have had such a good conversation. We've got about three and a half minutes left. I was going to go to another topic, but Judy, we need to do a part two with these guys. It, it's just way too much to talk about. A very exciting topic, and you both made it so lively. But in the time we have left, I'm going to give you each... I know if I give Simon Ellis 90 seconds, he'll take five minutes. So I'm going to give you 20 seconds and you can take 90. Okay. Simon, would you please predict if we met again, and I hope we do, let's say at the end of 2022, I won't even go out to 2025. If we had this topic again, what would you predict would change about the topic, which is why business networks matter now more than ever? Will we still use that title for a show? Quickly, I'll give you 60 seconds. Go ahead, Simon Ellis. (laughs) Crystal ball time. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I mean, you know, we make, we make progress, right? I mean, I mean, one of the things, you know, as somebody who's covered the supply chain for a very long time, you know, one of the learnings from, from the pandemic wasn't so much that we were focusing on the wrong things. We just weren't going fast enough, right? So all of the transformation efforts, all of the supply chain digitization efforts absolutely were the right things to be doing. We just weren't going fast enough. And so, and so, yeah, I think, you know, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, we'll absolutely still be talking with business about business networks. We probably still won't be at the network of networks, but we'll be a little closer. So I think it's, it's, it's about, you know, slow and steady, you know, win, wins the race. I think, I think that's where we'll be. I think we'll be further ahead uh, then than we are now, but we'll still have, we'll still have a ways to go. Thank you. Stefan Kraus, you get uh, 60 seconds max. Go ahead. Feet, feet. Yeah. Also here, I agree with Simon. We will not be completely done by then, but I think, again, we are making definitely progress. We see more and more companies be part of a network. And for me, important is that I think, as said, we talk about resilient and sustainable networks or our business in the future. So, again, not artificial sustainability as in, you know, Side, side effect, but really needs to be part of this whole game, how companies are working, because I think that's what our kids expect from us. And I think that's where we, we want to go and, and see a lot of focus. Thank you. Thank you both. A shout out again to Judy Cubis for sponsoring this wonderful series. Judy, you couldn't have picked two better people to be the two on the panel instead of the usual three. Simon Ellis. Namaste, or whatever we're supposed to say. And Stefan Krauss, same to you. Thank you very much both. Shout out to my engineer, Aaron Keller at Voice America, the business channel team. He started two years ago working with me, Simon, when he was 26, and Aaron is now 62 because we really put him through his paces. Thank you all for listening to our global audience. I'm Bonnie DeGram, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is still getting a month to the gallon. What can I tell you? Go out and be a game changer today, just like the wonderful Simon Ellis at ID. And just like the wonderful Stefan Krauss at SAP. Everybody wave goodbye. Talk to you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. 
To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.